We had a trade in the National Football League, one that could impact the top 10 of the 2023 NFL Draft. That's the focus of today's TDN Daily. And welcome into the Wednesday edition of the TDN Daily Podcast. Chris Schuber back with you here once again on the show. Hope everybody is having a great start to their Wednesday. A happy hump day to you all out there the middle of the week. And every day that goes by, we move another day closer to the 2023 NFL Draft. And that is a lot of fun because we all know it's a kind of our Super Bowl over here at TDN, at the Draft Network. We look forward to this event every year. Uh, and I'm counting down the days like I'd be counting down the days to Christmas or counting down the days to any other holiday or any other day that I'd be celebrating. Uh, it is getting very, very close, very, very near, and that is uh, a lot of fun. We do have some activity in the NFL landscape that could potentially, and that's what we're going to explore on the show today, could potentially impact uh, the 2023 NFL draft, specifically what happens in the first round because of the moves that uh, were made yesterday by one specific team. And it's funny, we were talking about this team yesterday on the show. We were having our uh, discussion about Lamar Jackson and Odell Beckham Jr. in the Baltimore Ravens. And we were talking about how Atlanta hadn't signed Lamar Jackson, hadn't shown any interest. There were some comments in the chat about what really Atlanta's doing this offseason. They're kind of scrubbing the season. And I kind of pushed back on that a little bit, saying, no, they've, they've done a lot. They've spent some money. Uh, David Onyemeta, Jesse Bates, we talked about all those different things. And I don't know, maybe a half hour, 45 minutes after we finished on the YouTube version of things, uh, on the video uh, side of things, we, I was in our TDN Daily staff meeting and... Um, Sure enough, the Falcons were active once again, uh, making a trade with the Detroit Lions for Jeff Okuda, trading a 2023 fifth-round pick, so a fifth-round pick in this year's draft class, to get Jeff Okuda. And I have a stat for everybody here, uh, a bit of a trivia question for the YouTube listeners uh, of the show. And if the podcast listeners want to maybe think about this uh, while I ask it, and then I'll pause before I give the answer here. But I saw this stat this morning, and I thought it was very interesting. Jeff Okuda, this is according to ESPN Stats and Info, Jeff Okuda, the second player in the last decade, so 10-plus years, Jeff Okuda, the second player in the last decade to be drafted in the top three overall and traded less than three years after being drafted. So I will ask the group here, I will ask the listeners out there, can you name the other player? So the player that had to have been drafted in the last decade, Drafted top three overall, and then traded less than three years after being drafted. It is Jeff Okuda, who just went from the Detroit Lions to the Atlanta Falcons, and who? Who is the other player that checks that box? And while I let everybody answer that, Braden asks, is it going to be hashtag our Falcons in that division? Obviously, you have concerns about the quarterback play because it's an unknown um, not because I think we think we think we know about Desmond Ritter one way or the other, but I think because it's an unknown. Um, we don't know, and because of that, it's it's tough to predict whether or not they're going to win games. We haven't gotten to them on prospects and props doing our win totals, Jamie and I. Uh, it's gonna, That's going to be a tough division because you've got New Orleans bringing in a new quarterback. You have Tampa with a, with a new quarterback. You have Carolina that's going to have a new quarterback, and you're going to have the first full year of Desmond Ritter. So it's not like a team is currently set up in a, in a way that puts them head and shoulders above everybody else in that division. 
but three teams are starting new quarterbacks next year. Uh, you know, Desmond started at the end of last year, but it's going to get the, the starts and be the starting quarterback from the word go more than likely. It's just an unknown, right? And and so it's hard to handicap. It's hard to kind of piece what you think about this team because I think they've done a great job reshaping their defense. I like the talent they have on offense. I mean, Kyle Pitts and, and Drake London are, ni- are two very nice pieces to start out with. They spent a lot of their money in free agency. Um you know, in, in, on the offensive line, right? McGarry, uh, Lindstrom, getting those guys signed to, to long-term deals. So they, they try to keep that, that core intact. So they've got a top 10 pick that they're going to be able to invest into this team. So, you know, I can understand why you say hashtag our Falcons and I can, I, I get it. And their odds to win that division are, are pretty nice, but I, I'm just, it's an unknown at the quarterback position. Tuttle, you got the answer correctly. It is Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, former Jets quarterback, is the other player. Was drafted by the Jets in 2018, traded to the Panthers in April of 2021. So Jeff Okuda and Sam Darnold, the only two players in the last decade to be drafted in the top three and traded less than three years after being drafted. Darnold was close, but didn't make it to that three-year mark. They traded him beforehand, uh, and then were, and then that was the the, uh, the year that they took Zach Wilson number two overall. So we are talking about the Falcons because of this trade that they made, but let's dive into this. Jeff Okuda leaving uh, the Detroit Lions, going to the Atlanta Falcons, and I look at this Atlanta Falcons corner room that's got A.J. Terrell, that now has Jeff Okuda, it's got Mike Hughes in there as well. They are building out a very nice group at the corner position. And the Lions, a lot was made about what they had. They had Jeff Okuda, uh, they signed Sutton in, in free agency, um, you know, some so people thought, hmm, I don't know, are they going to take a corner with one of their two picks? And you've got it, you've got the Detroit Lions picking at six and eighteen. You have the Atlanta Falcons picking inside the top ten. Corner probably was a consideration for both of these teams before the trade. Maybe so, maybe not so much after the trade for one of these teams. Um, but defense was going to be a priority for these teams with either of these spots. And so I think we look at this, and I want to look at it from Atlanta's perspective, because I think people looked at Atlanta and saw A.J. Terrell and saw Mike Hughes and said, well, you know, probably still would like another corner. And I know they they went out and they signed Jesse Bates, and I know that they went out and signed Calais Campbell, and they went out and signed David Onyemeta, but defense is still going to be um, a big priority for this team, right? We still want to invest in defense. And yes, we got Calais Campbell. Yes, we got David Onyemeta, but that's not going to stop us from getting young, getting youth, uh, at the edge position, maybe even still on the interior. Uh, I think this can safely, safely rule out Atlanta taking a corner at six. I still think they'll probably invest in the corner spot because, you know, Jeff Okuda is a younger player, but injuries have kind of kept him from reaching the potential that we all thought he could uh, get and when being drafted as high as he was um, a couple of years ago. Uh, A.J. Terrell's a nice young player. Mike Hughes, a, a nice veteran. I still think they'll add to that room. Just will it be with a top 10 selection? Uh, I think it's safe to say that that's probably now more uh, more likely than not to be a no, right? That they will go in a different direction. Now, you look at this all together and you look at the investments that they've made in free agency. I just listed them all to you. Jesse Bates, David Onyemena, Calais Campbell. They make the trade for Jeff Okuda, right? You look at this and you say, hmm, they, they've invested a lot in defense. Does that mean that they'll go offensive uh, in the draft? What I think this does allow them to do, what I think the the investments that they've made on defense, we've talked about what we like about their offense, that they've got uh, Lindstrom, they've got uh, Matthews, they've got uh, Caleb McGarry, uh, they've got Drake London, they've got Kyle Pitts, they've got their quarterback room uh, settled, at least in their minds, with Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter. 
because they've kind of addressed, they've gone to the lengths of having both sides of the ball, you know, pretty well balanced. I think this puts Atlanta in the best possible spot to be a BPA team, best player available. Whatever the best player available is on their board, I think they're going to just fall into that bucket of doesn't matter what side of the ball, doesn't matter what position, the best player available, that's a player that we're going to add to our football team. If we think the best player available is Paris Johnson Jr. or Peter Skaronsky or one of the offensive linemen, we're going to do that. If we think the best player available is Bijan Robinson maybe, yeah, we'll make him a top 10 player. If we think the best player available is a corner, we can still do that as well. If we think the best player available is an edge rusher that's maybe fall, maybe Tyree Wilson's available to us at our spot, that's going to be our selection. So I think what you're, what you're seeing here is I think a lot of us think Atlanta is still kind of trying to turn a corner, right? We're still skeptical of the quarterback play. We're still skeptical of the offensive weapons as a whole. The defense took strides and took steps uh, to move into the right direction, right? I think we agree on all of that, but we still think they're, they're a little bit away. And the quarterback question is really going to uh, – make their success or failure in 2023 um it's going to be a big part of that portfolio right if Desmond Ritter can hit the ground running in 2023 and be a good quarterback well then I think they've got a lot of the pieces that are going to allow them to be successful specifically in that division when you look at the other teams that they're playing right Tampa is resetting at the quarterback position with Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield Carolina is going to have a rookie slash Andy Dalton starting while I think we believe whatever quarterback they take number one overall is going to be in a good position to succeed right we think that 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 quarterback is going to have the best situation um you know out of Carolina or Houston or maybe some of the the Raiders moving up some of the other teams the Colts that could potentially be taking a quarterback it's still not you know hit the ground running um we think these guys are going to be immediate stars right we don't think that that's necessarily going to be the case so you've got them how quickly does it take for the New Orleans and Derek Carr to gel and hit the ground running and be successful early on so there's an opportunity in the NFC South Right? There's an opportunity to be to be competitive. It's all going to hinge on the quarterback play, and so that's what I think allows them to go BPA. Uh, Heldy says, don't know why, but I think there'll be a team that considers Nolan Smith in the top 10. I think they're in a position where they can consider anybody at pick number 10. And it depends on where they have Nolan Smith on their personal boards, how, high they, how highly they have him regarded as an edge. If I had to list something that I think would be a top priority that might supersede my BPA approach right? Where, you know, Brain says Bijan would be fun. Like that would be a BPA type pick. It would be edge. You know, Calais Campbell and David Onyemena, I think are great interior players. Uh, they're not going to stop me from drafting, you know, an interior player like Jalen Carter that could potentially be available for them when they pick. Uh, I think edge would be the thing that I would point to as like a major, a major thing that they need to address. Uh, Phillips says if Anderson Carter and Wilson are gone, do they go for Miles Murphy? Again, that's another name to invoke. I think anybody at the edge position that we're talking about uh, that teams have potentially been flirting with, uh, that have that has been discussed as a top 10, top 15, top 20 player at the position, I think, I wouldn't say link to the Atlanta Falcons, but I think you could give strong consideration to it because I think edge is something that they sorely need to address. Um, and I think they, they, they would probably list that as one of their top priorities. But I also think they're in a position where they can sit back and just take best player available because they have made the investments on defense anyway, and it's a deep edge class, and they might want to circle back and address that um, in future rounds. I want to see what their full draft capital looks like. I don't know. I don't have every team's um, you know draft pool memorized. So they pick eight. They pick 44, 75. Uh, so they have three top 75 picks. They've got two fourths, and they don't pick from the fourth until the seventh. So they've got two rounds now because they traded the fifth in the Jeff Okuda trade. Um, so they don't pick after the fourth round until till 
Still back-to-back picks in the seventh, 224 and 225. So they're going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting with those three top 75 picks, 844 and 75. Um, but I think they can. I think they can. I, I think they can absolutely address corner if they want to with, with, this, with a secondary pick. Um, I think they can address edge if they want. I think they can add another offensive weapon, whether it's a wide receiver. Um, I think um, they can add more to their linebacker group um, if they want to take an interior player because they've invested you know heavily on the veteran side of thing there they could do that as well um, but they really set up to me uh, to be a BPA team uh, in a lot of ways Heldy says the Falcons have very much abided by their board the last two drafts so they'll be fun yeah I mean again if you if they're going to abide by their board and do a BPA approach then you know I think the the elephant in the room the question that I would ask is where do they have Bijan right because I think everybody would agree and people can tell me in the chat if they don't, but I think everybody would agree that Bijan's a, a top player in this class, one of the top players in this class. So if teams do strictly adhere to the BPA approach, um, then there's a there's a Bijan Robinson conversation uh, that gets to be had. They seem like a team that goes for high impact players in round one with this regime, right? I mean, they, Kyle Pitts very high, Drake London very high, um, yeah, and, and so we'll see. But I think. This move, again, I don't think it takes them completely out of play at, at corner. They could take a corner a day, right? I'm not ruling that out. I think it's less likely than it was maybe two days ago. Um, you know, Braden, that's a great point. I'm going to read the comment for the podcast listeners. Not thinking about their roster too often, I probably couldn't name a Falcons linebacker right off the top of my head. So I don't know if you saw, but while I was going through the positions that I thought were like, you know, needs and things that they could address, I, when I say a position, I think about players at that position. Like, okay, safety, they just signed Jesse Bates. They might not go down that path. Um, you know, d- the, the defensive line, the, the – the front of the pass rush. Well, they just signed Calais Campbell and then Grady Jarrett and, and David Onyemendi. I'm like, okay, wide receiver. They've got Drake London, tight end, Kyle Pitts. I can think of line. I got to linebacker in my head and I was like, can I name a linebacker for the Atlanta Falcons off the top of my head? And I couldn't. So I kind of just mentioned it in passing, but I'm glad that somebody else uh, had that thought as well. Um, and uh, they have Casey Hayward in that corner room as well. Let me check. I have over the cap.com open to look at, um, this group, I yeah, they have Casey Hayward as well. It's a great shout, Heldy. Um, so, you know, you, you've got Casey Hayward. Uh, you trade for Jeff Okuda. You've got A.J. Terrell. You've got Mike Hughes. Like, does that, does that, and this is not the way teams operate, right? They're going to take, some teams will just take BPA. But does that sound like a room that makes the Atlanta Falcons take a corner with pick number eight? Does it? Because it doesn't to me. It sounds so much more likely that they go edge and if they want to take a corner later on because they want some youth at the position, uh, they can because I think this corner class is deep enough to where a player could be available to them um, at 44. So that's the Falcon side of the trade, right? That's what Atlanta got. They gave up a fifth-round pick. We go to Detroit. They trade away Jeff Okuda. And I think the logical first question that we should ask is, do we think this should even maybe more than we already thought? Do we think that this should make Detroit a contender? for drafting a corner with one of their picks. Now, I will let everybody know, for those of you that maybe don't, I think everybody knows that Detroit has two first-round picks, but Detroit has... Oh, they've got Troy Anderson for a 2021 draft standout. We love Troy. Versatile player. The Detroit Lions have a lot of picks, folks. And I don't... I think everybody knows they've got two first. They've got six and 18. I am going to read to you the picks that they have just on the first two days of the draft. Six... 18, 48, 55, 81. We've got five top 85 selections. We've got five picks in the top 100. We've got four picks in the top 60, 
three picks inside the top 50. That's what the Detroit Lions are going to be able to do in the 2023 NFL Draft. That's what they're going to be able to accomplish. They're going to be able to use five picks. If they want to, if they want to stay at all those spots and pick five players, they're going to get five players in the top 100 that they're going to be able to add to this team. And we just talked about Atlanta being a BPA team. When you've got this much draft capital, when you've got five picks inside the top 85, you can be a BPA team. You can be a team that at pick 18 goes, yeah, you know, it's kind of a luxury. It's kind of a position that, you know, we don't really see drafted in the first round a lot. But, okay, Bijan Robinson's on the board at 18. We'll we'll hand in the card because that's a great player to add to our team. Because we still got 48. We've still got 55. We've still got 81 to be able to address other needs. Right? And that's why Bijan's such a popular name to mock to the Detroit Lions because they've got the draft capital to be able to address other needs. It's not a waste of a pick. Do they pick all five of those uh, of those picks? Um, you know, inside the top eighty-five. I don't know. They could trade up. They could take forty-eight and try to trade back into the first round if they want. You know, like there's a lot of different options. Heldy says so logic would say because it's a deep corner class they could wait. But man, Witherspoon feels like a, a real kneecap biter. But Heldy, here's here's what I would offer to you: if if Devon Witherspoon is so highly rated on their board, I know it's a deep class. But take him at six because the other positions that you want, I still think they probably could use some help uh, you know, on the on the defensive line. They probably could use some help overall in the front seven with some linebackers as well. They could they could do that. They could take a, a tight end to replace TJ Hawkinson with one of these picks. They could take a they could take a they could take two corners if they'd like to really reshape this room. Again, I think Detroit's got the got the world at their disposal um, in so many different ways because of the picks that they have added here in this draft class um the players that they're going to be able to add in this draft class i mean brain you don't need to don't get me started with julius brents being a kneecap biter julius brents is a first round player man i i am i am crossing my fingers that he is one of the 31 names uh that gets to walk up to the podium on night one and hug roger goodell because man I, I julius brents is I, I just one of my guys for this for this draft man he really is i'm gonna root for him um, other than Miami, Buffalo, or New England, I will be rooting for him wherever he goes uh, for next season. Uh, if you think you could get a sauce-type impact corner, you take him. Exactly. If you think there's that level of a player, you take him. Right? Everybody talked. I mean, hell, to use the sauce example, let me, I'll bring it up. Everybody said, oh, you know, in the Robert Sala defense, in the San Francisco defense, that Seattle defense, you don't really need, you know, elite corner play. They play a lot of zone. Right, they don't. That's not that's not their mo. They don't really invest a lot of a lot of uh, capital, a lot of dollars, a lot of a lot of their infrastructure into getting those top tier corners. Well, the New York Jets bucked that trend and said, you know what, we like Sauce that much. We're gonna we're gonna take him with the number four overall pick. Now I know they paid DJ Reed, but they didn't pay him a ton in terms of corner money. And they've got two of the best corners in the league. They've probably got a top five corner duo, a top three corner duo. Some would say the best corner duo in the league. So when you if you've got that type of player, if you think that highly of a guy, you got to take him. And this has been my thing with the quarterbacks, right? I've been the king of Houston. Don't take a quarterback at number two, but I've always put the caveat on there. If Houston thinks they've got their guy, if Houston thinks they've got a franchise quarterback that's going to be able to lead them for the next decade to the to the playoffs, to hopefully you know, AFC championship games, hopefully to a Super Bowl, then you take that guy. You don't listen to you don't listen to schmucks like me who say don't take a quarterback. But if you're kind of wishy-washy and you're like, eh, I don't really know. We've got some we've got some issues with these guys. You know, I'm not really sure. 
then you don't take them because you're not in a position to do so. You're not in a position to kind of just throw them out there and, and hope that the pros outweigh the cons, right? You're not interested uh, in doing that. Ballard is doing an unspeakable ancient magic to let Brents fall to 35. Six-foot, forward, long corner who can tackle from Indy. He's salivating. Yeah, again, I don't think he gets far into the second round if he does it all. Again, I'm hoping that he's a first-round player. Um, the buzz is kind of trending in that direction. Um, I think after the top two corners in this class, in Devon Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez, it's more of a beauty is in the eye of the, of the beholder um, mantra. Um, you know, I like Julius Brents more than I like Joey Porter Jr. Um, I like Julius Brents more than I like uh, Cam Smith. I mean, I, that, that length, again, he doesn't have um, the best speed in the world, uh, but he has enough speed to where he can make up for the lack of speed with that with that arm length, with it just being long and being able to just cover ground very, very quickly because of the opportunity that his length provides for him. Um, I just don't think he gets there. I don't think he gets to 35. Um, I, I think he, I think he's a first-round player. I think that length is going to excite uh, a lot, a lot of teams. But okay, we get back to the Detroit Lions. We kind of sidebar for a second. They could take a corner at six and then address their edge at 18 or take Bijan at 18 or then get a tight end in the second round because there's going to be tight ends available in the second round for them at 45. I mean, they are set up so well. They are set up so well to be able to address their needs and get some really good players. And really, truly, it's one of the most advantageous situations you can be in if you were a team on the night on the nights of the NFL draft. When you're in a position where you can let the board fall to you and then when, the, when, when you get on the clock... You're able to be like, okay, what do we need? What kind of player do we want? And then you can have a healthy, honest, respectful debate about a bunch of players, and you can feel good about whatever direction you go in with the pick. That's a great place to be. And the Detroit Lions find themselves in that situation. Now, I don't want to give away too much of the show, but Prospects and Props, today's edition that's live in your podcast feed, a show that I do with Jamie Eisner where we talk about uh, gambling, uh, prospects, the NFL draft, NFL news, and how it all kind of intertwines. We did the NFC North win totals, and we were a little skeptical that the Lions are considered the favorites to win that division. I looked at the schedule for the Minnesota Vikings for the show. We did it. I understand now why people like Detroit, and they're going to be able to add four really good players, five really good players inside the top 85. Um... To this team, I can understand why people are very high on the Detroit Lions for next season. A little, we were a year off on the hashtag our Lions. They almost snuck in last year to make us look very, very smart here. Uh, and now everyone's jumping on the bandwagon for 2023. But everybody in the chat knows, everybody in the chat knows where it started. Okay, everybody knows where hashtag our Lions started first. Just, just want to make that very, very clear. Uh, Tuttle asks, with uh, with this trade, if the Lions pass, could we see the first corner fall to number 10? Let me pull up the order real quick, just to make sure. Uh, Carolina's not going to take a corner at one. Houston, it's either going to be Quarter or Will Anderson. Quarterback or Will Anderson. Arizona, I think if they stay in the spot, it's Will Anderson. Because that means Houston. Okay, hold on. Now that I think about this, uh, Tuttle, let me see a scenario here, right? Let's say Bryce goes one, Will goes two. Arizona's picking at three. Nobody wants to trade up for C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. Could, could happen. Could be a possibility. Um, if Arizona sticks and makes a selection, is it Jalen Carter? Is it Tyree Wilson? They could be a corner spot. They could be a corner spot. Uh, Indy at four. Nope, they're going to be a quarterback uh, more often than not. Seattle, they just took corners. Um, you know, Tariq Woolen is, is a good player. Um, Detroit at six. So this is where we're saying if the Lions pass at six, they take an edge rusher. Uh, they take Jalen Carter. They take a player um, in that capacity. Um, they pass. 
Vegas at seven could make sense. Again, we just talked about Atlanta not making sense at eight. Chicago could at nine. Um, you know, Philly at ten. It, it, it's not many spots. Two, two spots inside the top ten that I feel outside of the Lions could make some sense. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, the 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 corner corner could fall to ten. We've talked about this on a previous edition of TD and Daily of where. That stretch of Seattle, Detroit, Vegas kind of is going to dictate which position group falls, right? Edge, corner, um, you know, we know the quarterbacks are going to go and where the quarterbacks go could ultimately push them, team, push them positions down the board. And so I've talked about that, that stretch being extremely meaty in terms of its influence on what's available at like 10 for Philadelphia with one of their two picks. Um, which group um, potentially has got more names on the board than maybe we think outside of the top 10, right? All of this stuff um, ultimately... You know, all, all works together, all works in conjunction with one another. So that's the stretch that, I, again, I continue to say is the is the group of teams that I'm keeping uh, keeping an eye on five, six, and seven: Seattle, Detroit, Vegas. Because uh, I think what those teams do is going to dictate uh, how these position groups fall. And again, we we it's it's a common thought right now that there's not a ton of players that are getting first round grades, um, not just among the NFL draft media community, but inside the league as well. Uh, that's kind of that prevailing thought that there aren't you know 31 first round players in terms of grades, um, in terms of talent. So, uh, you know, th- the way the board falls really also adds another uh, another wrinkle uh, to this plan. So we've, we had a trade in the National Football League, saw, seeing a corner go from Detroit to Atlanta. Kind of shakes up a little bit what we think these teams could do. Two teams inside the top ten picking six and eight. And so anytime, you know, it doesn't involve those picks, but anytime those teams are trading for players and trading for players that could be starters for them, it obviously has an impact on what's going to happen here uh, in, you know, almost two weeks uh, from t- from two weeks from tomorrow, um, what's going to happen on that first night of the NFL draft. So wanted to share uh, that with you guys here on the show and share my thoughts um, on how it all plays out. Appreciate everybody uh, tuning in to today's edition of the show. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the show. We greatly appreciate it. We've got a big, a lot of momentum on the show, and it's all thanks to you uh, joining us on the podcast feed, rating and reviewing, subscribing, joining us over on the YouTube side of things, the live video version. If you're new, if maybe you haven't gotten a chance to come on out and join us on the YouTube side of things, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every day on the Draft Network YouTube channel. We do the video version of the show. So if you're listening to us in the podcast feed, come on out and join us on the YouTube side of things. We have a lot of banter, uh, pre-show fun. Uh, you become part of the show during the show. Um, and then after the show, we have some good football conversations and off-the-wall conversations as well. So it is a lot of fun. So appreciate everybody making this show a part of their day. I will talk to you all tomorrow.